Gastroenteritis Blues. I'm Dan Valpone. No Steve this week. I'm here with Emily Cannell and Mike Chiodo. Uh, I guess, Mike, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Are you guys? Oh, I'm good. How are you, Emily? I'm great. I That's found good. my first Instagram post. When was it? September 13th, 2011. It was like a picture of some earrings I got. It's really good content right there. Awesome. All right. Yep. Uh, so yeah, pretty good week. We did our, our last pod after game one, which was awesome. Game two was also a great game. Uh, game three was kind of an awful game with a great ending and game four sucked all the way through. Uh, we'll get into each game a little more as we go, but, uh, I guess let's start just with game three with Joel shot. I mean, uh, it really felt like he hadn't had a signature playoff moment and even the ones he had had were a little bittersweet like I think it's easy to remember him doing the airplane uh against uh the last uh against Toronto in the last game three and that you know didn't really work out that well so I mean um you know it's been a lot of beating up in in round ones besides you know the Boston series and a lot of struggles round two um this felt different like this felt and this team is besides game four has felt different I mean I mean, how did you feel about about the last few games, Mike? Um, I, I was yesterday aside. I mean, they've looked really good, especially the first two games. Game three was they didn't play well, but it was good to see them work through that adversity, adversity, and get a win, especially with Harden going out at the end of the fourth and winning in overtime. But like you said, with that signature playoff moment, like people would discredit and beat as a playoff performer and even though it wasn't really true like he was objectively a very good playoff performer if you look at the stats it was kind of hard to argue against because all you had was like well he was a plus 10 in 46 minutes in game seven that's all you had um so it was good to actually finally have a playoff moment that you can point to and be like there's it there's your playoff moment he's never had that and even like and obviously now it's it's really easy to you know make the make the case with how these playoffs have gone but even Jokic fans were trying to like talk about Joel in the playoffs and it's like you know you in, you went to the conference finals in the bubble with Jamal Murray carrying you and besides you've never won a series you've won one series in fewer than seven games and it was against the Blazers who were like one of the worst teams in the league and somehow made the playoffs if the 2019 Sixers got to play the 2019 Blazers in the second round instead of the Raptors we would we would have won in five Oh, easy, easy. Yeah. Emily, how are you feeling about uh, all of that? Um, yeah, game three was one of the most stressful experiences of my life. I was like very much saying like I won't survive a run if they keep having games like that. Um, but I'm glad that they won it. Um, Joel's incredible. And well, he was just like incredible when he needed to be honest. He wasn't the best game for him. And then game four was stupid all around. And I figured the chances of us sweeping them were low. So I'm fine with it. I'm really firmly believe that they'll win it at home tomorrow night. Um, I don't expect them to lose. So it's fine. Yeah. Game four was weird because I kind of felt after game three and even before game three was played, I was like, this feels like the Raptors best shot. Like game three is the first game at home, first game without Matisse. Um, and, you know, they're going to be fired up. This was their chance to, to steal one. Um, 
And after game three, I really, I really felt that way. I was like, that is their shot. Like that is so demoralizing. You know, they gave it their best. The Sixers really didn't play well. And Joel still had the dagger. Um, and it almost felt true. Like they came out in game four and for most of the game, the fans were dead. The Raptors were not playing well. We're not playing with energy. And the Sixers managed to play with even less energy and look even worse. Um, it was just a weird game. I feel like it's the kind of thing that you just kind of brush aside. Like, yes, you can't have those games going forward, but it's up 3-0 against the Raptors is maybe the one time the playoffs where you get away with it. So it is what it is. Um, the one thing that is concerning, uh, although we already basically knew it, is we've now confirmed uh, Joella's uh, torn ligament in his right thumb. He's going to play through it, but he's going to need surgery after the season. Um, I, you know, none of us are doctors, but it's definitely a bit of yeah. a concern, and it, I, I will be eventually once I mess up. Um, but the uh, the whole the whole thing with the slow shooting start in Game Four, I think that is like not too much of a worry. I think we'll get used to that. To me, he just looked less aggressive contesting shots and going after rebounds, which is a bigger concern. I mean, what did you guys see? Uh, Mike, go ahead. Um, yeah, like, I'm not that worried about the shot and, uh, and stuff. I was more worried about the passing, really, because a lot of his passes, and he's gotten a lot better at passes this year, he does a lot of them with one with his right hand. And it seemed like in yesterday's game, he was doing two hands. And he was kind of like the Embiid from like three years ago where he was like doing these wild cross-court passes and out of the post and that had no chance of getting through. That's probably my biggest concern. And also that the, uh, it felt like he didn't want to like fall down. So he wasn't being very aggressive on the boards. He wasn't being very aggressive on the offensive boards, which is really what set the tone in the first two games in Philly, I thought, where he was so aggressive that they just overpowered the Raptors right from the jump. So like that's people talk about the shooting. I think that'll come like, and in the third quarter, he got hot. He made like three or four mid range jumpers in a row. The passing and the aggressiveness is a lot more concerning to me. Where are you at, Emily? Yeah, I agree. I think the shot will come. I would just, I am hopeful that if we can give him, you know, six days, five or six days of rest or like light practice where he can kind of like get a feel for however he's going to need to have his like hand wrapped to protect the ligament and help with pain the most like maybe he'll be able to find his touch there a little bit and like same with with like being aggressive like I think now that he knows what it is I mean I think they all kind of assumed it but like now that he knows that this is the plan like that it's not kind of thing where like if you're easy on it or if you rest like it'll get better he's gonna need to have surgery like maybe he'll just go for it um, I just think he's in pain. And so he's a little people, whenever they're in pain, try, they tend to try and protect themselves so that they're not in more pain. So. So before we get into more real stuff, uh, Mike, I want to give you a chance to talk about this. Uh, the Raptors fans are really bizarre. And yeah, really. I, I think that you kind of, I think you take more heat from them than anyone. So I want to give you a shot to just say whatever you want about this. I don't understand what is wrong with them. Like every fan base, like thing with, I always say about Raptors fans, every fan base on Twitter, like you can find some 14 year old, like you can find some 14 year old Sixers fans, like thigh bull hoodie or whatever, high hoodie thigh bull, who's like sending death threats to Scotty Barnes or something. Like, okay. Like every fan base has that. It's like the, the, the leaders of Raptors Twitter are tweeting like death threats to Joel and be like, what is wrong with you? I, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. I, the championship destroyed their brains 
where they just are constantly mad that they feel like they're disrespected. It's like, <laughs> you don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore. You're just the five seed with Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet. You're not relevant anymore. Just relax. Just enjoy your title and move on. Like, it's okay. I don't know what's wrong with them. I really don't. There should be a study done. It's strange because I've noticed that too, where it's like the people with the most followers are like especially strange and not just in like a trolling way and like an actual like completely being disrespectful way. Um, just like they, like they're actually, like they're mean. Like they're mean. They're like it's mean. Not they just, are mean. Like they're mean. There's a guy Canadians are supposed to be nice. They are. <laughs> but there is even a guy who tweeted, um, I, and I can't remember who it was, but he was tweeting after Scotty Barnes won uh, Rookie of the Year, um, and it was before the game started. So he was like, wow, like we didn't, uh, you know, you know, now we're happy. So like, even if they sweep yeah, us, like, they won't have any satisfaction because we're happy about this. Like, and like, we don't want sports to make you the, upset. Like, the way they're talking right now, it's like, you won, like, good for you. You won game four. Like, you're talking, they're, they're talking crazy right now. Like, you're going to lose tomorrow. Like, you just are. It's just going to happen. I'm sorry. You're going to lose tomorrow. Why are you talking like this? It's, it's so, it's so strange. And, and I don't, really understand how it comes about that like I don't know if it's like a hockey thing or what but like everyone is seems to be like completely missing the proper tone from the other team's fans from what basketball fans talk like in general like they're just off it's like and it's, everyone is united on this it's not just like a couple like us like a couple Sixers fans who are like these everyone is you know like talk to Celtics fans about Raptors fans like everyone hates them yeah hey and it's it's weird because it's like they'll they'll be talking normal about about their own like they think their players are better than they are which like every fan base does yeah. which is fine but like they'll be talking so normal and like you know they'll get so upset over like an injury that's like clearly like I, I my where I lose it is like you don't you have no clue what you're watching in the game like I know. all of the injuries that are happening in this series are because of how the Raptors are playing because the Raptors are being overly aggressive on Joel, which is like how they should play. It's fine. But then they're like shocked. They think that Joel can like completely dictate where he puts his foot in like a fraction of a second. It's bizarre. Getting hit at Paul Paul because Scotty Barnes stepped on his foot on a screen. Do you know what basketball is? Yeah. Well, when, when, when Joel stepped on Scotty Barnes foot, that was Joel's fault. But when Scotty Barnes stepped on Paul Reed's foot, that was that was Paul Reed's fault. So wherever Scotty Barnes' feet happen to get tangled up, regardless of the order of the falling of the feet or any, it's always the other. It would, it's like it would basically it would basically be like us like sending death threats to Pascal Siakam because he slapped Embiid's hand and tore his thumb ligament. Like, yeah, it, it's it's so I I don't even know what to say about them. They're so weird, and it's it's like all of them. It's all the way. Yeah, through. it's. Is the, even, the reporters too? The reporters were like putting out like even after Joel shot, it was like like a, they couldn't even resist like after that game was like pretty pro Raptors officiating. Like couldn't even resist like well that Tobias screen was probably an illegal screen. It's like oh my they god, dude. Doc, not in the Doc, Doc Rivers thing. Doc, Doc Rivers out on the court. Meanwhile, and like we could play this game too, right? Like Kawhi traveled. Everyone knows it. It's just the game shouldn't be dictated by that. Like no Sixers fans were like, wow, like this is like the league needs to look at this. Like this is like replay the end of the game. I might've said that at some point. I mean, (laughs) it's just like, you think that like he ran out to take the timeout. He didn't run out to call a player get involved. It was so weird. He's not protesting something. He doesn't need to be tackled by security. (laughs) It's fine. He was running out to stop the play. Yeah. It's, it was we did what he wanted yeah it's 
I, I don't know. Any, Emily, you have any thoughts on these people? <laughs> these people. No, people. not like anything other. The like weird death threats are weird and just like, they seem to just blame the other team for everything. I don't ever blame that. And it's also weird that they blame the Sixers for things versus like most fan bases just blame officials, but they like are blaming the other team. Like I never really blame another team. I'm always just like the officials suck. It's all their fault. Or I blame Doc Rivers, but it's, so that's like a weird thing to just like blame the other team and think that all of these guys are like out to get the Raptors when like, really, we don't really give a shit about the Raptors. We're just like trying to move this on with their lives and like, like get onto an actual like game or series that will be more competitive. I say these things and it's going to come and bite me in the ass. I swear to God, I hate it. But um, yeah, they are weird. Yeah, I just, they don't. It's like, I don't, you don't know. Like, it felt like a lot of them became fans during the, the run they had a couple of years ago. And now you're just, you're not that relevant anymore. You're like a 45 win team with this core. You'll maybe, maybe you'll luck into a playoff series win at some point, but this core is never winning anything. Like, just relax. And they don't, they don't have a superstar. Like the superstar they got was an extenuating circumstance with a guy who didn't want to be there and had to yeah. spend one year somewhere. Like no one's going there. And is the fans are very like self-important. Like think that like we should, like, I like to, like, see what they say because I think it's really funny because they're just, like, nuts. But, like, they, like the, the whole, like, oh, like, if this won't be satisfying for Sixers fans because, you know, we're happy either way. And it's, like, if you were, like, maybe, like, Heat fans, Celtics fans, Nets fans, Nuggets fans, like, maybe you're starting to have a point a little bit. Like, I don't care about – I didn't even know Raptors fans were like this before the series started. Like, oh, I know, I know. I know yeah, you knew. I know. You, well, you, you interact with everyone. So I know you have the, but like they, I don't even know how, like they would get mad about like Tyrese random Tyrese maxi stuff. Like I, I tweeted, I tweeted like, like the Raptors could have had maxi instead of have pressure to chew like in August and two yeah. months later, this Raptors fan, Kate, the Kate Vidal, who I've never interacted with just quote tweets. It's like, I hope you're having after like some Ben news broke. I hope you're having a good day. I'm like, what? Is, I, I don't know you. Like, what are you talking about? Well, and it's like, it, those tweets are still true. Like, I don't, Precious looks better than he did to start the year, but Maxie's looking like a star. Like, I don't really. Oh, well, we can only, we can sprinkle some uh, making fun of Raptors fans in throughout the rest of the podcast, but let's move on a bit here. Um, I want to talk about uh, Joel and Harden a little bit. Um, I think Joel has looked really, really good um, through three games and looked awful in game four. Uh, we kind of already touched on that. To me, if you listen to a lot of the national media, you'd think Harden was awful. But I think if you listen to the Harden stands, you'd think Harden like could go for 30. He's just choosing not to based on what the team needs. And I think in reality, like he's been a very helpful player and his passing has been really important to the team's offensive success, while also like he's still atrocious inside the arc. He's passing up open threes. The floater is, is not going down at all. And he's not getting a lot of foul calls like he used to. And he gets, a lot of that's because he really doesn't have bursts going to the rim. Um, in a scoring sense, he's putting up some points, but he doesn't really look like too much of a threat. And I, I do worry that, um, you know, against the Heat, who, you know, I know a lot of people respect Nick Nurse. He's had an awful series. Um, I, you know, I don't think a team like the Heat is going to help off the strong side corner against James Harden. And so I do worry about, you know, a lot of what he's creating still being there against, 
you know, Eric Spolstra in the next series. I mean, what have you, what have you guys seen, you know, Emily from our, you know, two stars in, in the first, you know, four games of the series? Um, yeah, I think Joel has been good. Like you said, like I just, we haven't seen like a signature Joel performance, but I think that he has, I've said this last week, like he hasn't needed to do it. I don't know that we're going to get one now that he has this hand thing, but also I kind of think Joel can do whatever he wants whenever he wants, which probably isn't true. I probably put too much stock into what he can do. I just think he's great. Um, and yeah, Harden, he kind of looks the same. He has looked all the whole time he's been here. Like his passes are a little better. He's doing things that are helping other people get shots, but like like you said, like he's not taking shots that he should take all the time and he's passing out from open looks. Like it's, it's nothing that I haven't seen him do as he's a sixer. Like I wasn't expecting, he's looks a little bit better. Like he was kind of, you know, he's like averaging around like 15 or 20 somewhere around there. It's like better to count on him for that. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of par for the course. Yeah. I will say, you know, Second half of game three might have been a signature Joel performance. Um, but, you know, in terms of the whole game, yeah, I mean, he started you know, five points in the first half. And and really, I know, you know, I think Mikey tweeted something like this at the time, but like that really can't happen at this point in the playoffs. Like, and he really, he did step it up. But, uh, and a lot of that, I think, was Doc Rivers just really going to him and being like, we have to get Joel involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Mike, I mean, what do you think about, uh, about Harden and Embiid right now? Um, Harden, I thought, I think he's shown more burst at the series than he did in the regular season. The problem is he doesn't have the lift at the rim. Like, I feel like he gets, he can get to the rim, but once he gets to the rim, he just doesn't have the lift. Like yesterday, there was a play, third quarter, maybe I forget. He blew by maybe OG. He got to the rim and like Precious and Boucher just obliterated his shot. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing there. The burst, I'm not as concerned about it. This, I'm still concerned about it, but it looks better. It's what I hope to see two weeks ago in the playoffs, but the lift is just not there. Um, and his cat, like this off season, he needs to just work on catch and shoot threes every day, like put up a thousand catch and shoot threes a day. Cause that's what you're going to need in the future. And I don't know if part of it is the lift, but you know, if he's just shooting from, from, you know, a height he's not used to at this point, but his, like I said, his floater looks so bad and, you know, it's kind of his best hope right now because he doesn't have that lift and if he doesn't have to get all the way to the rim, he's getting open looks from, you know, six, seven feet, things that are mm-hmm. like layups for Maxi, and none of them are going. Yeah. None like, of them are going. Like, they're going to, he probably won't happen this year, but like going forward in the offseason, he's going to have to make some changes to his game, which are completely possible. Like, catch and shoot the floater, mid range step backs, like he had one yesterday. Yeah. You're going to, he's going to have to, like, you're not the James Harden from five years ago anymore. You, just, you need to make some changes, which are very doable. It's not crazy changes. He needs to basically become, you know, and they'll never be, you know, identical, obviously. But, you know, he needs to have some level of Chris Paul in him at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. It's ironic because they don't like each other. Um, yeah. But, you know, before we get to the good, um, I thought Maxi also was, was pretty bad in game four. He had a great game one and has was okay games two and three not great game four. They've seemed to kind of wait until the second quarter to start getting him involved in these games. Um, the first quarters have been very Joel dominant, almost sometimes too Joel dominant. Like Joel had a great first quarter in game three and, um, or I'm sorry, in game two, not in game three. And they still lost that first quarter and then they really pulled ahead 
Um, and it didn't feel like they were down in spite of him, in spite of him being in, but just like maybe not, you know, looking to Maxi enough, looking to get him involved enough. Um, I mean, what have you, Mike, what have you seen from him, you know, the last couple games that, that maybe, you know, maybe could change to get him a little bit more back on track? Especially, I mean, everyone was begging yeah. for, but he was no exception. Yeah, I think Tyrese really needs to, it's unfair because he's 21. It's like very unfair. But he's he's key for this team. He needs to show up every night. He needs to give you 20 points every night. And I feel like that some of that's on Terry, some of that's on Doc. I think they need to get him more involved early in games. Like even in game one, I don't think he had a big first quarter. I think he was just kind of there and then he took over the second half. Like I would at the beginning of games, I would get Maxi going first. Like Embiid will get going eventually. Like it just will happen. I'd get Maxi going right off the right off the jump. Cause that's completely changed. They're so much more dangerous when he's, when he's going, they're almost unbeatable. Honestly, when he has like, when he's putting up 30, they're almost unbeatable. And when he's yesterday, they're, they're not going to beat anyone or going forward. Heat Celtic, they're not going to beat those teams with him being that invisible. And part of it feels too, like when he gets going, he'll run more. Like I don't have any numbers to back this up, but it just feels like when his shot goes down, he really runs the floor. Um, which it gets them more and more easy shots. And they played – and there was no energy in general, but they, mm. they just played at a, at a slow pace in game four too. Like It wasn't just that they weren't scoring, which they weren't. It was like the pace of the game was so slow. They didn't score many points, and it wasn't just because they shot poorly. They just didn't get out in transition. Yeah. Uh, it was they, – they, they do need that for him. They need him scoring, you know, yeah. 20. They need him scoring like, 20 on a normal night. Like Embiid, Harden, Doc, just sit down with him and be like, look like you're as key to anyone to this team it's truly a big three at this plate and Tobias kind of in there but he's he's not just a, a role a complimentary piece at this point he's a star so he needs to be he needs to play like that every night yeah what if, what do you think Emily what have you seen from Harry's yeah I agree I think that they just need to get him going faster I think once he gets his he's 21 once he gets like that confidence and he knows that he's rolling then he'll just keep rolling um they had a piece on him in ESPN this week or came out yesterday. And it kind of said that yeah. this was the thing that doc had said, like from the start of the season, like whether Ben was back or not, that Tyrese was going to be like a major part of this rotation and to like, they were like hard on him to get him up to speed. And I think they just kind of need to do that again. I think he, we've said time and time again, that he's the kind of player and young player that responds to someone like kind of calling him out and being like, Hey, get yours like you've got to we need you in this and he I think will respond so whether that's you know Harden or Joel kind of saying it to him or Doc drawing up more plays for him um I'm not sure which one would be better but if he gets going early and especially like in game five tomorrow like when Tyrese is going and like hitting things the crowd loves him like is obsessed and loves him and so like that would just get the energy up in the building more especially when he hits threes like people freak out so I think like if he can do that in the first quarter tomorrow I think it will just be like smooth sailing from there yeah I mean he's and he he, he's I thought he'd struggle games three and four but he was still reliable like end of game three hit a big shot to cut it from five to three um and you know, it just hasn't been, you know, the Sixers getting out through Maxi, like getting down the court fast. It hasn't been, you know, Maxi hitting threes like it was the first couple of games. And it, and it, it does, it needs to be. Um, they, they can't play at the Joel Harden pace every possession. 
it's it's unsustainable. They need to be able to play at different paces. So all, that is entirely on Max because they've known us to do it. Um, you know, games three and four were ugly, like we said. And you know, besides the Joel shot, there wasn't a ton of positive from game three. Besides that, they they won, um, which is a positive in and of itself. Obviously, they won a, an ugly game, but they were they were not pretty games. Um, the one guy who's really the only guy who's been good all four games is Tobias Harris, which I don't think many people, I mean, he ended the regular season playing better, but I don't think a lot of people would have picked that going into the playoffs. Um, he's been truly he's been great. He's been great. Like he's been playing great defense on Siakam. He's been, you know, taking and making open threes, even when he has, fast. he catches and he shoots the ball. When, and when he hasn't shot off the catch, it's still been a quick decision. It's been like, a, not like a, I'm going to take one step to the side and dribble. It's like, I'm going to catch it, go right to the basket and shoot. I'm not going to catch it, go to the basket, turn around and get confused. It's like, I made up my mind of doing this. Um, we haven't seen that from him. I even think his passing looks better. Um, and to me, you know, I think, you know, the national narrative is Maxie's the guy who can take you, you know, who can, who's kind of taking the Sixers from you know, a team who's just a four seed to a team who maybe can come out of the East as the four seed. And you know, to me, I was almost expecting this from Maxi going like not the 38 points, but Maxi being a key piece, I, I knew. The real surprise to me is Tobias stepping up on defense because I, 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 I didn't see it from him in the regular season. Tobias hitting his shots, which he hasn't done in the playoffs. Um, all of these things from Tobias to me are really what is taking them when I watch them from, you know, this is probably not the year to, well, maybe this is like, maybe, maybe if things go their way, which they haven't so far with Joel, but maybe if everything goes right here on out because of the way Tobias is playing, they do have a shot and, and it's surprising, but it's great to see. I mean, what, what do you think about Tobias so far? Yeah, it's been so very surprising, but he's making quick decisions. He's playing really good defense. He's not, doing the Tobias thing where he dribbles into the lane and post up and shoots a 12 foot contested fadeaway jump from the elbow. Um, I'm almost nervous because I'm nervous that we're going to get on it. We're going to annoy him. And then all of a sudden he's going to be the Tobias from two years ago. But yeah, I mean, this completely changes their ceiling as a team. If he plays like this, like he's the Tobias. We've always said like, man, if Tobias would just do this to see this, he could be a really effective player and he's done it so far. So hopefully they can beat him hard and just bullied him into doing all this. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still nervous, but cause if he, if he reverts back to the Tobias from like March, we're in trouble, but yeah. Even the Tobias of 2020 when he, or of, I'm sorry, of well, 2021 of, of last year, you know, he played well. He was like, I don't want to say he was a borderline all-star, but he was like at the very edge of the conversation and I watched him play and it was like, this guy's playing the same as he's always played. He's just hitting his shots. And it's like, there's yeah. still so much room for him to play differently. And this is the first time, like these, just these playoffs are the first time where it's like, he's actually playing the game differently. It's not just that the shots are going in. It's like all of the annoying things, he's not doing them. Yeah, I don't think he doesn't want to go live in Oklahoma city for two years. <laughs> what do you think, Emily? Yeah, I agree. And I think that the game's, have really, I think he's impacted. I think the job that he's done on Siakam, like, I don't know that outside of like Philly media that any, does anyone talk about it? I think it's like really, really impressive, especially considering the way he played on them 
on Siakam, like in the regular season, that last game, it was atrocious. And then all of a sudden he's like, I don't know if he's like watched a lot of film or just like his effort on defense is just really good. Like I'm trying to think of a better word for it, but he's just been really good on defense and like trying really hard. And I think he just kind of knows that he, this is something that he has to do. I don't really know what has changed for him, but I'm glad it has. Um, I just think he's been good. He picked up a foul. Was that on, on Anobi? The, so I can't remember who was on. He's and the shot clock guarding way out of the three point line. I think, that, I think it was Siaka. It was, yeah. it was a, it was a, it was a dumb foul, but it wasn't like a frustration foul. It's like, you need to like cool it a little bit. Like you're trying too hard. Like when have you ever felt Tobias was trying too hard? Like, I'm not saying you look at him before and you think he's like, doesn't care and he's not trying at all, but you've never seen him like this. And it's almost like, it's great to see now. And it's at the perfect time. And it's like the first time in his career, he's, he's looked good in the playoffs as at least as a sixer. I don't know what he did before. Yeah. But. He was like, I don't remember, but it's like you said about last year. I feel like last year when he was playing really well, he wasn't, he was just a lot better at the bad. He was still having the bad habits. He was just playing well with the bad habits. Yeah. Now he's eliminated so far the bad habits from his game. Like he's pulling up. He's not, passing up on an open look open three from the corner and dribbling it. He's just taking the open three. He's playing good defense, which is probably the most surprising part. You know, I did not expect him to be locking up Pascal Siakam. I'm not a Siakam guy, but like, I didn't expect that. So if he can keep playing like this, this ceiling is the finals really. Even last year, I feel like when people tried to talk them, like Tobias had a few catch and shoot threes last year where people were tr- trying to talk themselves into like, Oh, this is, you know, this is what we're getting from Tobias this year. This is great. But a lot of them were like him running down the court, catching it at the wing, like above the break and, mm-hmm. um, and shooting like off the run right away, which I think is a tougher shot, but there wasn't a lot of like Tobias be patient, stay in the corner. The ball will get to you, catch it, go right up. Like there was no like being comfortable with that role in the offense of just like, let me stand here ready to catch all of his catch, his catches mm-hmm. and catch and shoots. I don't know. were not of that style. They were all like him doing something leading into the shot. And it's huge for them that he's accepted this role because it, it fully spaces the floor and he looks comfortable doing it. Like he doesn't look like Harden when he catches the ball and like has to take a dribble to the side because he has no clue what to do off the catch. Like he looks fully comfortable taking yeah. that shot and he's shooting him well. Yeah. Like I feel like there was like split moments where there'd be like a two minute stretch where you'd have Tobias doing that, taking catch and shoot jumpers off the, off the catch from Embiid. And then he just revert back to old Tobias. So it was like, you could, you'd always see like 10% of it. You'd be like, it can happen. Like if this, if he can put it together, he, you can do this. You'd be really good, but he yeah. just never, never was able to do it. And I think he's finally just realized like with Embiid and Harden, I also think he's probably, he's used to in the past. He was always like, he, in his mind, probably he was like, I'm the second guy. I got to be a scorer. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you haven't beat Harden. Maxi stepped up. You just gotta stand in the corner, knock down open shots. You know, play good defense, and that's your role. Yeah, it's almost frustrating where it's like you could have been doing this the whole time, but like <laughs> the fact that he's doing it now in the playoffs is like I'm obviously not gonna get on. It was great to see. Um, we're gonna go to a quick ad, and when we get back, we're gonna talk about Doc Rivers, who I think has mostly been really good this series. So. Uh, yeah, here's the ad.
and we're back. Uh, yeah, so Doc Rivers, I mean, game four sucked. And my one complaint about Doc this series that I'll just get out of the way so we can kind of talk about the positives, although I want to hear your negatives too, is I don't know what the hell the deal with the zone is, but it sucks. And they can't rebound out of it. And especially when they're playing with such low energy, zone is like the last thing you want to go to because all it is is just open shots for the Raptors. And they went to a little bit game three. It was completely unhelpful. They went back to a game four. It was even worse. Uh, that has to go. But besides that, I really like what Doc has done. And, you know, the thing that's going to get the most attention was the um, the timeout that all the Raptors fans think should have been a technical and the play that followed. But, yeah, I love what I've seen from Doc. Emily, what have you what have you liked from Doc or disliked from Doc? What have you thought in the series? Um, yeah, I think that the biggest thing was getting that timeout in. Um, he also has been better. I think he's made appropriate challenges which I think is good. Charles Bassey must really be in his ear telling him when to do the correct challenges. Um, I didn't like the one with the heart in the sixth foul. I didn't think he was going to win it, but I think that's one that you, you know, you have to do to try and keep your player in the game. And there was like no time left on the clock and you might as well just do it. Um, yeah, he's been really good, which is something that we haven't said about doc in ever um so I have been more pro doc than almost anyone and I'm feeling pretty good right now because and I don't think he's a top 15 coach of all time like some people do (laughs) I think he's I think he's probably the 15th best coach in the league but I think he gets a lot of talk like he's the 27th best coach in the league so I mean yeah sorry I didn't mean to cut you off I just have to give myself some credit there uh just giving yourself some credit um I feel I think it would be really great for uh doc rivers to not give up a 3-1 lead and just kind of brush some of those demons off of his shoulder um so yeah i think he's been good um the other thing that i wanted to mention i put it is that did you guys see the doc rivers quote about one going one-on-one with nick nurse and how all the raptors fans what can you explain it because i only kind of saw it so he like made a comment saying like with all these injuries he thinks that this series is going to come down to them, to him and Nick Nurse one-on-one. And like, obviously he's talking about like them playing one-on-one. And he was like, and I, I like, like my chances in that. And I think obviously he's he talking was an NBA guard, yeah. <laughs> that like him and Nick Nurse having to play because everyone's getting hurt. But then a bunch of Raptors fans were like oh he thinks he's the better coach like he's not talking about one-on-one like coaching battle like that's not what he's saying and so I think I was just like okay um so that's just another thing that Raptors fans got wrong they just they can't read into coach well Doc gives weird media availability anyway so they're not used to it Doc says weird stuff I think that's a big reason a lot of people don't like him is that he says yeah. weird things he doesn't um, know when anyone's available he doesn't know what anyone's doing I actually think it's a great question who would win a one-on-one because Doc obviously has all the talent, but he doesn't move well at all. So it'd be, yeah. that'd be a good matchup. But yeah. Uh, well, Shiro, what have you thought from from uh, from Doc so far? Yeah, he's been really – he's out-coached Nurse so far. Yeah. Um, one, being able to stick with B-Ball Paul, I've been very happy with. I remember in game three, the first half, I think B-Ball, they had a rough stretch to start the, the B-Ball Paul minutes. And I was worried like he's going to go to DeAndre now. I was worried and he stuck with it. He stuck with it the whole time. It's going to be a bigger question when they play Miami. Will he stick with it or will he? Because he said before the playoffs, 
when when another team goes big, we'll play DeAndre. Miami will go big with Deadman. So I wonder if that'll that'll be a test. You just can't. You just Please even don't. Like, I mean, I don't know if Deadman is still shooting threes like he used to. I think that might have been like a one year thing, but you just can't put DeAndre out there. They're gonna switch on him every time. I think B ball Paul has been good enough that he's not going to remember in uh in game like three after in that last inbound with eight tenths of a second left. Kate Scott said DeAndre Jordan's on the court. And I was like, oh my God. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, my one criticism would be um, to get Maxi more involved early in games, especially going forward in the playoffs. That would be my number one criticism of him so far. I feel like he's just too uninvolved and we already t- touched on it, but he's too uninvolved early in games. The There was a whole like people making jokes after the Sixers lost game four. Like, oh, Doc's going to be the first one to blow a 3-0 lead. Which, like, they, they, they are not going to lose the series. They're, they're, they're not going to win the next game. But this happens all the time where it's like, you know, they a, a team will go up 3-0 and a team – like the, Lou Williams hit the shot to beat the, yeah. the, the, the big three heat, you know, on – I think yeah. on Easter. Yeah, it was Easter. It was Easter. And – like it wasn't like a big no one was like oh well the heater might blow the 3-0 lead like they didn't they didn't look that good this game and like even the people like i don't know i get the jokes but and especially when things go wrong like i get i get the jokes and like you know it's it's fine you're making jokes and stuff but some people making jokes are like i don't know, like like is, is john hollinger really in a position to make fun of another person and also day? like if i matched chandler parsons i probably would never make fun of a job anyone did ever also, it was 2-2. Two, two. I'm just saying the Hawks series last year was 2-2. Two, two. It was not 3-1. Everyone, I think everyone acts like it was 3-1. It was 2-2. Two, yeah. two. It felt like it was about to be 3-1 before they blew the game yeah. for the lead, which I think is a big part of it. But, yeah, it was not 3-1. Even, actually, I'll be honest, sometimes I forget that it was not 3-1 because it does feel like it was 3-1. Yeah. Because game four felt in the bag. It felt in the bag. Yeah, I think I even con- – I remember I tweeted at halftime. The Hawks tweeted the score. We were up by, like, 15, and I tweeted, this isn't the next anymore. <laughs> game four. <laughs> No one, no one was, responded to it. It never got freezing cold take. <laughs> you know, we were talking before you got on because so uh, Emily, Steve, and I were at game five together, mm-hmm. and um, it was just the most miserable night. And I don't think that this team is now. Any lead is not safe, but I don't think this team is quite as prone to that kind of thing because they have people who can kind of settle in and get a basket on their own in the half court. Yeah, like they weren't able to get buckets last year easy. Even when things were going really well, it was going to be off defense. Um, so this year, if hypothetically they had a 20-point lead in game – or even game – I think it was game two or game one where the Rap- we were up by like 25, the Raptors cut it to 10. Game, game two, they went on a 20-2 to two run. Yeah. This team, you have Maxi, you have Embiid, Harden. You just have to run Embiid, Harden, pick and rolls, and you're going to get easy buckets, and you'll quell any comeback. So that's not really a concern for me this year. Yeah, and I think, you know, there was a lot of, you know, Sixers blown lead. I think there was, what, seven leads of 15 or more blown by the Sixers this year. It was second only. It felt way more like, than that. It, it, it did, but a lot of that was, was pre-Harden. The one that wasn't was actually the Raptors game at the end yeah. of the season, which was about, but like, it was an end of April game, like, or yeah, sorry, a, a beginning of April game. Um, it's just the kind of game that like, you have to be able to shrug off. And I don't feel, and I, this could easily bite in the ass, but I don't feel <laughs> that same potential from this team. Because, and I don't think they're so like, for lack of a better word, like 
there were like they were relying on losers last year. Like I know that that's not like good basketball analysis, but like like they were extremely reliant on Ben and like the way Tobias was. I mean, Tobias is playing great, and I don't want this to be like a stray at him, but like he's not a guy you should be relying on in the playoffs. And they were so reliant on Ben and Tobias in a way they're just not now with Maxine Hart. They actually have they have scores now. Like last year, they did not have it aside from Embiid. They just were not able to get easy buckets. Even even Embiid, it wasn't easy buckets. Seth was their was it's probably the their second easily the Seth, second. Seth made it look very difficult. Even if he made <laughs> a ton of shots, it was like you got to do so much work to get this guy an open shot. Yeah, so, and yeah, Herder was eating him alive too. Oh yeah, I still can't believe I lost that. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Sorry that devolved into Hawks talk because that was <laughs> the listeners deserve better than that. But um, you know, I know we we all mentioned it uh, already. We think that they're, they're going to win the next game. Um, does anyone have any concern if they lose at home? That no. Does anyone get nervous? I would not get nervous, honestly. I don't think so. It depends how it plays out. I don't know. I'm always nervous. <laughs> like, I'm usually always nervous. Like, the other night when the Raptors cut it to nine, like, I wasn't nervous at all. I, I don't know. They're not going to lose this team four times in a row. It's not going to happen. It could I, get to a game seven here, and we would, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, if it got to game seven, I'd be very nervous. But yeah, I, I probably would, too, because it's like, if, if it happened against the Raptors, I don't know what I would do. I, oh I don't – I think that if you had to ask me what percent chance the Sixers win the series at this point, I would put it at, like, 96%. Like, something extremely high. Yeah, now that I think about it, I would get nervous they lost tomorrow, but I really think they're going to win by, like, 30 tomorrow, and it's not even – we're not even going to sweat. Like, yeah. I liked Harden's comments after the game, too, where basically he was like, you know, you know what, this is good for us because we can't come out like that again. To be fair, the last time he said that was after the Nets game. And we went on a bad stretch after that. Well, <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, how does, you know, I guess you can compare it to pick, pick any time you want as a, as, a, as a reference point here. But how are you feeling now compared to how you used to feel, whether that's, you know, beginning of this series, whether that's before the series started, after game two, whatever, before the Joel Thumb injury? How are you feeling about the Sixers as a legitimate title team? Like, I don't think they're the favorite by any means, but can you see them winning? Emily, what do you got? I mean, anything can happen. The, the things that you need to win an NBA championship or any championship, like, I almost feel like it's like fate. Like, weird shit has to happen. Like, people get hurt. Balls bounce this way. Balls bounce four times, you know, like. Just weird stuff happens and it that's how people win championships. I was feeling really good, honestly, after game two. I game three was the most stressful night of my life. I hate this Joel thumb injury. I just think he's playing differently now because of it. And that makes me feel like we have less of a chance, but I still think that we have a really good chance. Ch- shot to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, if we can make it out of there, who who knows? Like, you don't, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I'm really happy we get Miami in the second round, especially now with the thumb injury, because I think if you had to play Boston or Milwaukee, even without Middleton, with this thumb injury, we would have been in trouble then, because you really need him to carry you in that series. You'll need him to carry in the Miami series too. 
but I think Miami's a tier below Milwaukee and Boston. And my thing, my hope is that if you get to a conference finals at that point, Embiid will have played an entire series with the thumb. He would have played what two, three games in this series with the thumb. At that point, I would hope he's kind of used to playing with it. It's not as big of a concern. Beating Boston will be really tough, but Boston's playing ridiculous basketball right now. Remember when um, Boston sucked at the beginning of the yeah, year? Yeah, I don't understand. What happened to Boston? that Boston? I don't understand how this happened. Like they were 25 and 25, I think. And really, games. the only change they made was, you know, Cantor wasn't playing anyway. They got they got Tice back, who is starting, but like is not really the key to what they're doing, I don't think. And and yeah. White was everyone thought a big pickup and he hasn't done much. Yeah, I don't understand. I, I don't understand how this is happening. Like Tatum was just made the jump into it being a legitimate first team all NBA player. Yeah. I feel like he just figured things out in January, whatever it was. But yeah, like they they have to be considered the East favorites at this point. Oh yeah. Um I really don't, I'll be honest, I really don't like our matchup with them. I think that that's a tough matchup because they can throw Horford and Williams at Embiid. Um Harden will be guarded by Smart and Tatum. It, it's a tough matchup. But you know, if we get to the conference finals, I'll talk myself into us beating them. And yeah. who knows, like in the conference finals. Tatum could roll an ankle, like whatever. I'm not rooting for injuries. I'm just saying like it could happen. No, that is. And I think that is, you know, I've said this before. That is the benefit of putting off playing good team till later. Like you can, you can say, you know, well, you know, you should, if you are really a, a, you know, a team that can win, then you should, shouldn't be afraid to play a good team in the first round. And it's like, well, the Nets would probably be looking a lot better if they were, you know, playing Boston later and Boston had a shot at someone getting hurt and you don't root for someone getting hurt, but it's just the reality of the playoffs. It's physical. I mean, basketball. Guys play a lot of minutes. The Raptors won a whole title on it. Milwaukee loses in five or six games in the second round last year of Harden and Kyrie Irving don't go down. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they don't have James Harden right now. That's been, I don't want to say that that was the reason for the Lakers title because that was because of Disney world, but the, the two last, you know, legitimate titles, were teams who completely capitalize on injuries and you know you have to be in that position and part of that mm-hmm. is like the longer a team plays the more likely it is a guy gets hurt and, and even like, with it's Tatum, it's like we've seen yeah. Tatum be hot before and we've seen him be hot for sustained stretches we've also seen him get cold like I'd rather put that off for a month seeing how he's playing to end the yeah season I would get cold despite what I just said about the Celtics I would say I think people do go a little too far because there's some people who are saying like well they're going to cruise to the finals like no one's even going to touch him if we play the Celtics in a series I think that will be a competitive six seven game yeah. series yeah. my my gut feel is that the Celtics will just have a little bit more than us they match up a little better and they'll they'll ultimately win in six or seven but we can easily win that series yeah that's it's it's they're the team that I would least want to play but they're yeah, coming like I, out of they're coming out of that side of these they're coming out of the of the two three side of these yeah that's what people are talking about Milwaukee I would love to play Milwaukee easy I mean yeah like you said I I do think the Heat are a tier below Milwaukee but I think Milwaukee is a tier below the Celtics and and you know if the Nets won the series I would have felt the same way because of the way they would have had to be playing to beat the Celtics I just I don't mean to discount the Bucks title Giannis is probably the best player in basketball right now and um you know he's I love Middleton Drew Holiday is one of my favorite Sixers ever they have a, a not a super deep team, but they have good players throughout that roster. Um, they're a really, really good team. I also would pick the Sixers, not like just like if I, in an unbiased way, which I can never really be, I would pick the Sixers against them. Yeah. And the Bucs are actually a good 
tale for the Sixers. Like they were, they just kind of won the title. Like they took advantage of injuries. Like I say that it's a weird way to put it, but they just kind of won the title. Like no one was thinking they were going to win the title. And then all of a sudden it's game five and Giannis is 50 People thought points. the Suns were going to beat him too. It's like, they were up 2-0. Like everyone yeah. thought that series was over. And then all of a sudden it's game five and Giannis is 40 points. And it's like, oh, they're going to be up 3-2 and going home. Like they're going to win the title, I guess. Yeah. Like, stuff just happens. Like you, stuff just happens. Yeah. Emily, how are you feeling? I mean, I know you said that, you know, it's, you have to get lucky and I agree, but I mean, how would you feel? How do you feel in a Heat series? How do you feel in a Boston series? And how do you feel in a Warriors series? I guess I'll say, because with Booker out, I mean, that's looking like the path that the Sixers want to go. I mean, I am fine with the matchup against the Heat, to be honest. I think they're a little Raptors-y and that they're annoying but less talented. Uh, I agree with Mike. Celtics are tough. Warriors are playing great. I, I'm more scared of the Celtics, to be honest. But, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I'm not really worried about the Heat. They – I am just – I don't worry about them. Um, I don't – like, who are their – Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry are going to be the Sixers. Out of like, Lowry pulled a hamstring, so. So Jimmy Butler is going to be the Sixers? Like, I don't think so. Jimmy Butler is going to be Joel Embiid? Like, I don't think so. Um, and then the Celtics, yeah. The Celtics, I don't – The like Mike said, the matchup is bad. The Celtics-Sixers thing is bad. The Horford thing is bad. Like, there's just, like, a oh, lot – also, like, a lot of storylines that, like, are painful yeah. to me. And therefore I just feel like my whole thing with sports is I feel like everyone is, everything is like a personal affront to me. So like that, that series would just be like designed to like kill me slowly. Yeah. And the, I, I hate that Horford's playing well. I agree. He's a tough matchup. Yeah. It's really so, annoying that he's playing well. And even like the whole, like, I remember Anna Horford tweeted and they were like 25 and 25. She's like, Oh, Al always starts slow. Like he'll be fine. I was like, like, that you're so ridiculous and she's she was right and can't stand it's really it's really so like it's really so annoying that this happened like we were so there was a point this year i was thinking they're gonna act they're so bad that they're gonna trade jalen for ben in a panic trade and like now they're the east they're the title favorite it happened so suddenly they were 25 and 25 and then won eight straight games and never looked back so suddenly so i remember when they beat us by 50 like that was like what two months ago, and I remember thinking, well, this team's food in the playoffs. Like they just got they Harden didn't play. Like who cares? Yeah. I and even I felt like a lot of it was like they were trying harder on defense than everybody. That was their thing, and eventually, you know, the offense is the threes. They're going to go cold from three, and you know the other teams are going to step up. And it's to some degree, I, I'm not overly impressed by their half court offense, but like when their defense is consistently playing that well, like you kind of get away with it and their half court offense isn't that bad. And they get a lot just like kind of playing with the other team, not set. Yeah. I think the biggest thing aside from that is just Tatum is just taking a leap from like a top 15 guy to a top seven guy. And he's now good enough. He can be the best player on the title team. So yeah, they can win. The I title. Had him, we, we, you know, did our like little Liberty ballers draft coming into the season and I took Tatum 10th and I think Tatum went 10th the year before. Um, and to start the season, it was looking like a terrible pick. She was shooting like true shooting was like 55% halfway through the year. And and he truly looks, I mean, I think he might finish like fifth in MVP voting. Like I think it yeah. it's you know his it's first team, his first team on yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be, you know, the top six are, you know, I don't think Steph creeps in. I, I think it's probably gonna be, you know, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, 
Luca Tatum Booker or something like that. And like yeah. he'll he deserves it. Like he looks he great. The team looks great. Yeah. I'm still not he, a big Jalen Brown guy, but he's helpful for what they do as yeah, like, I'm still not team. sure about Jalen, but he means fits I guess he fits well. I don't know. He falls asleep at least twice a game on defense, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, people think he's this great defender. He's not a good defender. He's probably the worst def- he's the worst defender in that starting lineup. Oh yeah. Well he just he, he 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 gets he gets lost out there like he just forgets to pay attention which is honestly really funny like i enjoy watching it even when the celtics blew us out i think very first play of the game they backdoored Jalen brown yeah like again i don't know how this happened like midway through the season midway through the season we were talking about udoka being a one-and-done coach Tatum and Jalen Brown, no way they can play together. Like they were talking about smart trades. Like smart has to be traded. Just... They were the eight seed through like 50 games. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't the Celtics fans that I know are were like talking about how smart they love smart, but he's just gonna have to be traded because this team just doesn't fit together. And they're gonna win the they could win the title. Like oh, that would like be the Celtic, the Celtics were the and I would like, not be able to take that. 50, oh, Tony yeah, it, that would be rough. That's that worst rough. case scenario. 50 games into the season, the Celtics were like 500 and the eight or nine seed, and the Bulls were the Bulls and Cavs were the top two seeds. Yeah, but they were always frauds, but yeah, I just yeah. didn't see the Celtics having this in them. Like, if you ask me if the Celtics or the Hawks had a better chance to really make the leap oh, to yeah. being a team who could contend, I would have said the Hawks. Yeah, like I thought, I thought the Celtics were like screwed two months ago. Like, I... yeah, well, looking around the league. And even we can we can take some positive out of this series. I want to go through some of the series. I think that narrative-wise for Sixers fans, a lot of stuff is really playing out well around the league. So let's just go in, in order in some of these series and give some quick thoughts before we wrap up. Um, so taking a look at the bracket, we got, you know, we got Heat Hawks. The Hawks just won a close one. This, and I've said this all along, you know, the Heat started off super hot and you know, won the first two games easy. And I was like, you know what? This feels like Heat and Six. Because I watched the Hawks get outscored by 20 points in a series they won last year against us. And they still have the players to do it. Like Trey Young is the kind of guy who is gonna lose games by 30 and then win a two-point game. Like that's how he is. And right now it's two to one. And the Hawks are, I think, like one and a half point underdogs for game four. Like they're right in it. Yeah, like we could definitely we could end up playing the Hawks. Like we just assume it's Miami. Lowry's not playing today. I don't think he's playing today. It, if Flowers isn't playing that game, I'm probably picking the Hawks. It'll be two two. Yeah. So, I would also and, hate that. I do not want to play the yeah. Hawks. So I, I, so I, I, I understand why you say that, but I will say, if we get to play and beat the Hawks, I nice. will be make so many Ben Simmons jokes, and it will be so <laughs> gratifying. It'll just be like a full like, revenge tour of playoffs, like first the Raptors, then the Hawks. Like it'll just yeah. be. But all of the like. Oh, we beat we beat the you know we beat the Hawks with like you know Sergio Rodriguez or something like they'll feel true they'll feel true. The sad thing is, if we play that series, I'll, I'll have the exact same mindset as last year, where I'll just be like, "Well, this is an easy series. Like, we'll win this in five until they actually lose, and then I'll be like, I didn't think yeah. they were losing that series till like thirty seconds left in Game Seven. I I I always I always felt weird after after the game four collapse, I felt weird. And then game five was kind of a party for most of the game. And as soon as, as soon as that lead, when we were there, when they cut the lead to like 10, I was like, we're done. We're done. It's over. Like, but yeah, so that'll be, that's, that's actually pretty fun to keep an eye on today. That game's on uh, at seven. So this pod will probably be out by the the game will be over by the time the pod's out, but 
Um, that is that's a fun game to keep an eye on. Um, uh, the the um, Bucks just went up three one on the Bulls. That's over in five. Um, I don't think we need to talk too much about that. The Bulls are not very good. Um, we talked a bit about Celtics Boston or um, Celtics uh, Brooklyn. Um, we all agree the Celtics look great. Um, anyone got any Ben jokes they want to get off? Like about his outfit, about anything? Like any anything? I just I don't know how. What does what is Kevin Durant thinking when he comes off the court down 3-0 and Ben Simmons is sitting there giving him a high five? Like I'm just what is he thinking? Wearing sunglasses because he's always wearing sunglasses <laughs> inside on the bench. It's like, dude, you definitely could have played last night. Definitely. Well, I love the like, well, you know, it's three days from game three. And I know I can't play game three. Game four, <laughs> I could probably play like you can't know it. Like and you, you, all your, your whole thing is like, I, there's too much pressure in a 2 I'm going to come back in a 3 the, Net, the Nets fans like almost turning on him. Like they get like 50% of the way there and yeah. then they pull back a little bit. They're so close to turning on him. But they just, honestly, they deserve to, to have Bennett yeah. through them. Because when they trade, and I get, you know, being excited for your new guy. And I completely understand them being frustrated with Harden too. I think they mm-hmm. should have been more frustrated with Kyrie. I'll never understand the you know, pro-COVID Kyrie stance that a lot of them chose to take. But in general, like, I got the heart and frustration from them. And I get, be, you know, talking yourself into be excited when you get Ben. But the whole, like, condescension of, like, you guys treated Ben like shit. Like, you know, we, you know, we know that, you know, how he felt was because of you guys. And, like, you guys were awful fans. It's like, you deserve this after that. That's how I feel. The way they were talking, like, as a 10 seed in the East, it's like, you guys are a 10 seed. Why are you talking like this? On a, they were coming off like an 11 game losing streak too. Yeah. Like, where do you like, you're basically like a collection of like people who are I mean, fans of players at this point. Yeah, like they're pretty much. The KD fans and the Kyrie this fans. is what, this is what happens when Kyrie can't take 10 days off between games. Yeah. Well, it was funny. He was like, you know, there's, you know, you can't make up for, you know, how much time we missed. It's like, you were the one who missed time by choice. Actually, that leads, that's something we didn't talk about. Um, we have talked about it, and, you know, we don't have to harp on it too much. I just want to throw out there that, like, Matisse is such a loser for this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, besides him just being – and we've made fun of his, his vaccine stance already. And besides how ridiculous all of that is, to just be fine with, like, completely not being there for your team at this point. When you, by your own admission, don't really see any downsides to the vaccine, you just don't see any upsides – but the upside of getting to be there for your team isn't worth it. Like, I, I don't think, you know, after this series, we see as much Danny Green. I think Doc probably does try to work Matisse in there, especially really, like – That would suck. But game four, the way and, – and the way Danny looked game four, he really couldn't hit a shot. I thought defensively he didn't look quite as good as he looked the first few games. And I – I, I don't think I, I don't think that he should take him out of the starting lineup, but I don't think that he can probably sustain the whole playoffs playing 35 minutes a game. Mm. Yeah. Um, again, with the Matisse thing, he doesn't see a downside. The downside is you're not Kyrie Irving. Like this will affect your standing with the team. You're going contract extensions talk, contract extension talks and start in two months. Why are you doing this? Like it's going to affect your standing with the Sixers. Yeah. Speaking of lineup stuff, um, I, mean, I should have brought this up when we talked about Doc. We're never going to see it. And I actually, you know, I love George Niang. And I, I think I'm, you know, I know everyone loves George Niang. I think I'm like a little more accepting of some of the things he doesn't bring than others. Like I, I'm kind of okay with the fouls. I'm okay with the slowness on defense in general. Against the Raptors, I really would not play him this much. And Doc, like I said, Doc will never do it. 
I would play b-ball Paul at the four with Joel in the minutes Tobias isn't in like I would let him like besides you know if you don't want to put Joel on Siakam the whole game and you take Tobias out b-ball Paul is by far your best shot to just like throw him at him and and just guard him on the catch and as soon as he dribbles sack because he's not going to shoot pull-ups he's a fine shooter he's not going to shoot pull-ups he wants to get to the rim b-ball Paul is athletic enough to stay with him I think that that is your best bet to guard him and Niang being in the game is just not helpful against this team. I feel like one of the problems with that, sadly, is that giving B-Ball Paul more minutes means more fouls. And then if you play him with Embiid, if he fouls out quicker or he gets more fouls, then you have no backup center and then you're opening yourself up for DJ minutes and no one wants that. Yeah, I, I, I do get what you're saying. I my, my only thing though is like with Paul Reed, by the time he fouls out, you are not going to play him the rest of the game anyway. Like I'm more concerned with his fouls just in terms of like, I want him, I want his minutes at the end of quarters. Like I don't want the Raptors in the bonus early. I want B-ball Paul and yeah. Yang to, to a lesser extent. Like the, those two foul a lot. I want them in the games at the end of quarters when the Raptors are already in the bonus. Yeah. Um, because most of their fouls are shooting fouls and I don't want the Raptors racking up fouls early. So, you know, if they're going to get to the line anyway, it's fine. Um, but I don't really worry about him fouling out because, like, you know, jo- if the game goes into overtime, Joel's not going to sit any of those minutes. And so, you know, Joel plays the last, you know, nine minutes of the game in the in the playoffs anyway. So um, it's not a huge concern. But I, I get what you're saying. Um, and if we quickly go out west, I think, you know, we don't have to touch on all these series. Obviously, you know, the Suns and Pelicans is a little more interesting now that, you know, Booker's hurt. Um, obviously, I would rather it be less interesting and have Booker be helpful to me. Just saying, it, it is a, a bit interesting now as to who's going to win that series. Um, in the um, four-five game, the Mavs completely withstood Luca being hurt and then lost the game. He got back and let Rudy Gobert hit a game winner, uh, hit a game. I mean, make a game winner. He's, that wasn't a shot. So he didn't really hit it. It's an alley. Um, that was, you know, upsetting because I want the Jazz to lose. I still think the Jazz don't have much of a shot in the series. Um, I just think they're worse. Um, we can talk, I mean, for two seconds, the, the, the Grizzlies and, and Timberwolves series has been not good basketball, but entertaining. The, the, the blown lead was very Sixers-like, um, so I respected that. And um, neither of these teams is going to beat the Warriors, but it's just, uh, you know, they're both young. It's, it's interesting. I, I love seeing Ant become the leader of the Timberwolves. Um, I do want to talk about nuggets and and warriors um we have to um we just have to the warriors are up 3-0 on the nuggets um more importantly the nuggets are down 3-0 to the warriors uh i don't i i realize i come off as a Jokic hater i've actually come to appreciate him a good bit but he is not a good defender he's not he's an, at best an okay defender and i've watched all of these games and the reaction from his fan base is so wild to me. And I want to hear what you guys think. But to me, like, the playoffs have always been like a, you know, and I get he doesn't have the best team. No one's expecting him to win a title, right? But, like, is it that much to ask to win a game, like, to be competitive in more than one game? They're, they're Right now they're up eight early, so maybe they win this game. But, like, so, like the, I feel like, you know, they've lost seven straight playoff games. And, like, the back-to-back MVP shouldn't get swept both of those years like is not a hot take and it's like at what point do we actually value winning like all of the talk all year is like Jokic dragged them to be a winning team you know and they that team sucks and it's like 
well, I don't, first of all, I don't think they're as bad as everyone says. And like, you know, secondly, like, I think that the, the three win difference gets downplayed. They're like, oh, it was only three wins. It's like, okay, well, Joel played without a second best player and three wins is huge for playoff positioning. They're like, oh, we're playing Joel. the Warriors. The Warriors are great. It's like, you played the Warriors, you're the 60. If they give you three more wins, you're playing the Jazz. Like, Joel also got COVID and Jokic didn't. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think about, about the fan reaction about, I mean, do you think that this is, I know it's been three games, but like taking into last year too, we've already talked about Joel being unappreciated, underappreciated in the playoffs. Joel's been probably the best playoff defender in the league the last few years. Like, mm. do you think that this is finally going to send a message to all the people who like quote stats they don't understand? No, because no. I think they're just going to, excuse I mean, to fair, Jokic right now has 18 in the first quarter, but yeah, like first, like the, he's a back-to-back MVP. If you get swept in the playoffs, you're going to get slander. It's just going to happen. I, I don't know why the Jokic people don't understand that. Like MB gets slandered. MB got slandered yesterday up 3-0. Like it's just going to happen. I don't know. They, but like you said, if you're a back-to-back MVP, you don't lose eight straight playoff games. You just, it doesn't happen. It's not it's just, that he's bad. It's just that he's, he's not like, bad. It's he's just not the MVP this year. He's a, he's a top five player. It's what Durant said about back-to-back MVP. And this is what the nerds just did not comprehend for some reason. Like to win back-to-back MVPs, that's really prestigious. Like that does not happen often. And to do that, that means you really, you dominate the league for two straight years. You were just dominating the league. And that's just not the case. Back-to-back MVP. And he's going to have one playoff series victory and two sweeps. He's not like, it's not an accurate reflection of history when you look back 20 years from now that Jokic was back-to-back MVP. And it's, and it's not like, it's, it, to me, it's not just, and I think that you do have a point with that. And I think it is partly the nerds and I don't want to like speculate on a ton of other stuff, but like the voters are like overly white and clearly like overly relate to this white player in, in a league that is, that is predominantly black. And like, yeah. I'm not saying that this is like overt racism necessarily, but like there is some clearly a degree of like the media likes and relates to Jokic in a way that they don't to Embiid. And that's just obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I'm not saying, like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying like, they're not, I'm not saying like that he's going to win because of racism, but there are definitely some people that, you know, see themselves in Jokic that are like you know I that could have been me if things broke right or something and it yeah, couldn't have just so those people know it yeah, couldn't have yeah. been you and, and he's, I'm talking I'm talking about Andy Bailey yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's such he is I mean he's he's such a great player and, and and I don't mean to like take away from the things he's done but like everything that was not in his favor for MVP this year was just completely written off like all like you know, you can't talk about his defense because this the made up nonsense stats say that he's a great defender. Anyone who watches him play knows that this isn't true. And you know, there's even something to be said about like end of games. Joel always has something extra on defense. Joel has you know ended games like he took over in a game against Miami when they were down ten, you know, early on on defense and won them that game defensively. It's not something Jokic has in him. And so, like, regardless of what the stats say, like, if you watch the games, you know that, that he's just not on that level of defender, which is fine. He's a better offensive player. He's not a better scorer. He's a better all-around offensive player. The, the passing is – he's not the best passer in the league, but he's one of them. He's a great passer in a way that Joel isn't. Um, I just don't understand, like – we blindly trust these numbers saying he's had an all-time great season. Giannis is the best player in the league. 
if the award went to the best player in the league, which is basically the case for Jokic, right? Because like every year there's other things that go into this award. And the case for Jokic is like, these numbers just show he's been the best player. Some people will make the wins case. Like, you know, he dragged this team to number wins. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. They were so bad against winning teams, like really, really bad against winning teams. I don't really buy that. And so like, to me, there's like a degree of like, well, these numbers show like he's been dominant. And so, yeah, he is that dominant that he should be back back MVP. It's like, well, Giannis was the best player and the best player doesn't win every year. Like if the best player won every year, Giannis would have won the last couple of years instead of Jokic. And like, that's not the award. There's other things. And Joel had the other things. He, he led the Sixers on and off the court to overcoming the Ben situation. He had to adjust all year. He had, he led the league in scoring. the first time to lead the league in scoring since Shaq. First average 30 since Moses. Like these things went completely under the rug because Jokic had 2,000, 1,500, which is not something anyone cared about until like it's like the fat young graphic all over again yeah. and that's like an mvp case for him i think is crazy yeah i mean it was it was a meat year it just was like this yeah. is the uh people get mad at this a lot of the yogish people get mad when people use this point but it wasn't bg year he had the narrative he was he should have won last year if he didn't get hurt it, it was just a bg year and it should have just been a bg year like there was no reason to have all this whatever happened in march where people overthunk it we're like oh never mind Jokic is gonna Jokic look at his numbers like it was just a beach year it should have been a beach year and it's it's a shame it really makes me upset like because it's if Jokic was the MVP all year like okay but there's no reason the narrative should have shifted the way it did yeah it almost and it it almost felt to me like Emily you can tell me if it felt like this way to you like people wanted to vote for Jokic people liked Jokic better and the the straw poll from Bontemps almost felt like permission to vote for him you know, it's like all the betting odds say Embiid, you know, the narrative says Embiid, but like, we're going to start putting out a few pieces where it's like, you know, it was like Collinger wrote it and he even threw Giannis in there to like really muddy it up. And it's like, I'm not saying that this is like everyone's like overt intention, but like the, oh, you can't go wrong with any of the three, but I prefer this one. And that stuff starts coming out in like early March, you know, it can't go wrong with any of the three. And it's like, first of all, you can go wrong, right? There's one there's probably one right answer, right? And like, all that is, is permission to vote. All these things that build up, like now Jokic gets the favorite when the straw poll comes out of just like a, a set number of ESPN writers. It's like, all these things build up as like permission to just vote for the guy you wanted to vote for all along. And that felt like the shift more than anything, because when the shift happened, that was when, when Jokic was like a consistent minus in those lineups. Yeah, I agree with you. That article came out and then all of a sudden we were like where did this come from and then it was just like a snowball effect afterwards um and I think something that's really interesting is I would be interested I know sometimes that like the athletic will do this I don't know if there's like a a yearly one but I really would love to see who the players would vote for um for MVP because I just see a lot of players and I probably because I follow I like the Sixers so I see people who retweet players that say Joel is the MVP but I just see a lot of players saying that Joel is the MVP and I would think that the players are the people who know the game the best who watch the most film like these guys are obsessed with basketball like most of them are like they're watching film all the time. They're watching games all the time. Like this is what they do for work and for fun. And they're all saying that Joel was the guy. And then the media, the people who are sitting at their computers and looking at numbers and, you know, can't, are probably not watching as much film are like, no, this isn't the guy. 
So I would just be interested to see. I don't know if there's like a one of those that comes out yearly. I know like there's like some player vote something, but I just think that if the players and the media are seeing two different things, I would side with what the players see versus the media. I don't think there's an easy fix because obviously the players are not, the players are watching like select pieces of film of you know how to stop certain guys, you know, before they play them. And they're not, they're not watching every game. Um, I do think that the system, and no, no one can watch everything. It, yeah. it's, it's possible. I think that the system is very flawed though. I mean, on top of everything we've, we've already mentioned with, with the media, with, you know, and I, like, I, I, like I said, I'm not saying that like that Jokic is winning because of racism. It's just that like, there is a clear difference in the makeup of the media versus the makeup of the players with the media clearly siding. Like, and I'm not saying Jokic didn't have any case. I don't think he had the best case. I'm not saying that he did. I'm not trying to chalk it all up to this or by, by any means, but like clearly the, the, the media relates to him in a way they don't relate to other players. Um, that's just true. But on top of that, the media, they're like busy, like they're busy. Like they have deadlines with articles, things like that. They're not watching as many games as are needed. They are a lot of like, just, are just like local members who like already have their own agendas about like certain teams. They have more of a beef with and things like that. They are, you know, overwhelmingly have never worked in the league in any capacity, have never been a player, have never been a coach, have never been a scout, have never been an executive, um, almost all of them. And on top of that, they're completely untrained in statistics while these numbers are constantly getting thrown around in MVP cases. And so I think there has to be a better way. I mean, if no one has a solution that they think we can move on. I don't think there's an easy answer. If you have an idea, you can let me know. But if not, we can just kind of wrap up. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I feel like part of it is it's just a problem because my guy lost. Like, I'll admit that. Like, it's Yeah, it's, but the way they had, way it happened is just like, like, my issue is as much as the way it happened is. Yeah, for else. sure. It's like oh, over one week can work. What? Ben is out game four. Just <laughs> like, God. You get another setback? Oh, geez. This is from Sean. Nets are listing Ben Simmons is out for game four versus Celtics. A surprise that Simmons had been expected to play Monday as long as rehab was on course. Who expected him to play Monday? Not me. Oh, my God. Get another setback. I bet you you if they get swept, you would have been ready for game five. It's really upsetting. Yeah, hope that'll be that'll be come out on Monday. Yeah, hope he would have been ready for game five. That's what I said last. I think it was last pod of the pod four. I said Ben is going to be ready to play as soon as the series ends. That's yeah. when he'll be. That's when he'll be healthy. Some, some like Kevin Durant or Kyrie probably challenged him, like, "Why couldn't you play then?" And he's like, "Well, my back hurts again. I can't." Kevin I can't go Durant has to be so mad. <laughs> he does. Like, I don't he... know. He put up with the whole Kyrie situation. Maybe he's taking this in stride. Yeah, but he's not. Sim, ben is not Kyrie though. No, <laughs> that's, that's I just think oh, I love Durant. I really do. I, I think. Uh, Maybe he didn't want to be the first player to get eliminated from the playoffs and back-to-back games played. I so. saw that. That's so. I, that actually, I actually thought I could buy that. Yeah. <laughs> I could buy that. Dude, go down in I history. Mean, he wants to be infamous. You know, there you go. Yeah. Well, I think that's most of all we had to talk about. Anyone else have anything they want to touch on real quick? Uh, just going back to the Jokic thing. Boogie Cousins is a plus fourteen in four minutes. <laughs> oh, beautiful! And what's the score right now? It's forty to twenty-three Nuggets. Forty to oh, wow. twenty-three. Right now, I have 44.29. That was from like a couple minutes ago, then. Gotcha. But he yeah, was. So Jokic plus is 14. a plus five in a 15 point. I just don't buy that they're, he's by far the best player on the team. They're, he's responsible for their success. 
but that he's like playing with G leaguers out there is so crazy to me. Like, like, Tob- like Tobias Harris was bad all year too. And people are like, well, maybe he should have been better. He's on that contract. It's like they're paying Aaron Gordon a ton of money. Yeah. It's like, it's- we literally played most of the season with Tobias Harris as the second guy and a 21 year old second year rookie that happened to have like a shot out of the cannon should have potentially had like some most improved player votes season. Like that's not guaranteed. Like, Jo- and Joel did this so like I don't want to hear it yeah yeah don't want to hear it I've been I will say I've been sad about it for a while before it was like inevitable when it was like clearly happening but hadn't the season hadn't hadn't ended at this point right is it was over Jokic yeah. has won they just haven't announced it um but I like if they if they fall apart and lose this game and get swept like that will be a consolation to me like I'll be I'll be the hater like that will that will make me feel I think better. it I think it could also help his narrative for next year like yeah. If Jokic gets swept and he goes on a run, it'll be like, oh, we messed that up. Let's give him beat one. And, and you know, I, I tweeted this out like a while ago, like when the tides just started turning for Jokic. It is a bummer. Jokic is going to have two. And, and you know, what I care about more is how people look back and, and yeah. you know, talk yeah, about him well. And, and I think that, you know, Steve Nash won two MVPs and no one thinks he's the best point guard of his era, right? Like even like, and this is a bit of a, a more than a bit of a cross-era comparison, but there's a little overlap. Um, no one's saying that Steve Nash is better than Chris Paul, right? Like no one is saying Steve Nash a better career than Chris Paul. Chris Paul was never an MVP. I think they were going for the MVP at the same time um, in one of those seasons. Uh, and Nash won over Paul for his second MVP, like kind of similar to this year. And Paul never got one. Nash, that was Nash's second. No one looks back and is like, people look back and like it was a mistake. It was like Chris Paul was the better player. And so I'm hoping that that's kind of what we get. Yoga just great. And, and Nash is a Hall of Famer too, but it's like uh, things, I think things will eventually sort themselves out. And I also think there's a, there's a swing back in the, you know, in the advanced stats community where someone smart becomes the leader who's not like Andy Bailey averaging fantasy points with other things who like can point out the flaws with these things, can point out that like teams don't really use these things and um, maybe some better stats get invented that like, then retro, retrospectively can, can paint yeah. a picture. We'll see. Uh, but anything else from anyone? No. I think so. All right. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you for uh, joining us. Is there anything? Uh, thanks for having what, me on. Anything to shout out? What's your uh, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, MHC underscore 76. All right. You're still writing it all? No, nah, not really. All right. So follow Mike. You probably, if you're a list, you probably already follow Mike. But if you don't, <laughs> yeah. if you don't follow Mike, follow Mike, of course. Um, follow Third and Girl, follow DA Pelts 13, follow Gastro Blues Pod, follow Steve. Steve will probably be back next week. Steve J. Lipman. Um, and yeah, let's uh, try to wrap it up Monday night. Thanks, guys.